voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every again just who I am because I need to
Good morning, Community Fellowship. How's everyone doing this Sunday? Yes, that's the excitement we need. Well, my name's Ashley Hansen, for those of you who may not know me. And if you're a visitor here visiting with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, we just want to welcome you into God's house and let you know how excited we are to have you here worshiping the Lord with us today. And we'll let you know how we do things around here. We stand for worship, so if you would all please rise to your feet. If you are unable to stand, that's perfectly fine as well. We just ask that whether sitting or standing, we worship the Lord with our whole heart. And if you'll agree to that, say amen. Next, if you'll take out your cell phones and power them down or put them in the vibrate position. That way we don't interrupt the flow of what the Holy Spirit's going to do here this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit comes and floods this place, fill this atmosphere, fill our hearts, Lord, as we prepare to worship you. We love you and we give you the praise. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.
your freedom is all that I know. You're made new, Jesus, when I met you, you called my that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day eternal life was ours in that moment, in that day, hear God. 
And God, we thank you for that glorious day that we look forward to when you will come again. And God, we will see you face to face and we will know you completely, God, and we'll be known. Lord, you give us life now. You give us hope for the future. There is no life, God, apart from you, and you have offered it to us. Undeserving, ignorant, even in our hearts, having run away from you, God. And you've called us to you. You've called us to be your friend and your family and your children. We thank you. And God, for these wonderful blessings, God, we, we bless you. We bless your name. We praise your name. And we give you worship this morning because you do deserve all the honor and all the glory. Bless your name.
when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then You're the one who walked on water, and you calm the raging seas. You command the highest mountain to fall upon their knees. You're the one who welcomes sinners, and you open blinded eyes. You restore the brokenhearted, and you brought the dead to life. Forgetting all our sin, you remembered all your promises, cause you are amazing, more than With authority you've spoken And you set the captive free You're the one who came to serve And you're the God who washed our feet You're the one who took our burdens And you bled upon the cross In your kindness and your mercy You became the way for us Forgetting all It's 
an amazing God we serve. Aren't we grateful that we could be here this morning to sing back our praises to him? It's a great day, and we have a great God that we worship. And today we want to come into his presence in prayer. Anyone that wants to come and kneel before God at the altars, the altars are always open, they're ready and waiting, and God is there to hear your prayers. We'd like for the children to come. We would like for them to come and kneel, and if their family would like to come with them, that's, that's great. We just thank you for these that uh, they represent in our lives, these young ones. Shall we pray? Father, we come before you knowing that you are an amazing God, a God that loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to die on the cross for my sins, for each of our sins, Father, that you gave so that we could live. And Father, we know that you're a glorious God, a God that we can look upon and know that you already have the answers before we ever ask, but you said to come and ask. And Father, we thank you that you are such a loving God that gives us mercy when we don't deserve it, that extends to us in ways that, that we couldn't even do for ourselves. And we know that we can't fix ourselves, that we need you, that you are the God who comes and takes our brokenness and our shame and everything that we've done against you, and you throw it into the sea of unforgetfulness, that you forgive and you forget and you bring us into your love and your mercy. And we thank you, Father, for all that you do for us. And, Father, we know that we are a needy people and that we need you because we can't make it day by day without you that it is through your strength, through your mercy, through your grace, that we can make it through the day and be able to say, Father, I come to you and I need you. We thank you, Father. We pray for those that could not be here today. We continue to pray for healing for Berlene as she has had surgery, and we know that you will give her the strength and you give her the healing that she needs. And for others that are suffering today, we just pray, Father, that you will touch them in a great and mighty way. For, God, you are the great and mighty healer. You're the one that can touch each of our lives and flow the Holy Spirit through our life and touch us in a way that no one else can. We thank you, Father, for these that are here, that are bowing before you in prayer this morning. You hear their hearts. You know their, their needs. And Father, we just lift each of the requests up that are represented in this room today. For we know that each one of us have a request, a need. And we just come before you asking for your help and for your desire in our lives to be fulfilled. Father, we want to keep our eyes upon you, for you are the one that we need to follow. You're the one that has the answers. You're the one that has the direction. Help us to stay in your word and help us to stay focused on who you are and what a great and mighty God you are. 
We thank you, Father, for these boys and girls that are represented here around this morning. We pray, Father, that you'll touch their lives and that you will give them the ability to hear the words that will be spoken especially to them this morning in Children's Church. We pray for them. We pray for Miss Anna, for the workers back there. We just pray, Father, that they will recognize something very special that is spoken to them today. Give them the ability to receive that word and to draw close to you and accept you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for Briley as she's recovering from this broken bones, and we pray, Father, that you will touch her and that you will heal her and that when these casts come off, Father, everything will be the way it needs to be. We pray for each and every one of these and their families. We thank you, Father, for them. And now as the ushers come, we want to pray, Father, for the offering that each one of us will recognize the importance that we give back to you, Father, a portion of what you've given to us. So generously given us the ability to work and to be able to have. And so we want to give back to you and our tithes and offerings. And so we just pray that these tithes and offerings can be used to further your kingdom, to be used to do what you would have it to be used for. We just pray that you'll bless the gift and the giver in the powerful, awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as the boys and girls will go out to Children's Church. I want to bring up a few announcements. Our caravan program, which is a fall program, will start uh, in September, and uh, we do need some helpers. So if you would like to volunteer to help in caravans, come and see me. I would love to to uh, get you signed up to to help in that area. Also, our Upward Soccer is getting ready to uh, begin, and Miss Rochelle needs your help. And so, if you want to coach a team or in any way help her, be sure to. Let her know that you are available. Also, in a children's church, we're in need of snacks. So packaged snacks would be great if you would bring those in. We use those on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And now, um, as we have Pastor come and bring us the message that he's, God has laid on his heart today. Thank you, Pastor Judy. Thank you, praise and worship team. If you're grateful for Brother Clark and his team of people that come up and uh, help us to get in the worship, let them know it. Amen. 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 Well, this morning, I uh, just uh, got to share some things with you that I've already kind of just, uh, over the past couple months, I've been dealing with, stressing about, and trying to figure out how, you know, what, what God's doing and uh, sometimes with God, he does things that we just don't, don't understand. I'm going to tell you a story. Even the Oregonians, a lot of them don't even know, and they've known me a lot longer, about six, seven years, something like that for some of them. And um, I had been at Sandia as an as a associate staff for seven years, eight years, something like that, and um, had been part of a successful ministry there, you know, where we saw the gospel spread and people come to know the Lord and we went to multi-site church, and we had multi-congregations in those churches, and, and we had been a part of that. Uh, about 13 staff pastors. It was a big work. 
And um, so it was uh, probably around 2007 when I was contacted by a, a, a district superintendent in West Texas. And uh, Charles Jones was the district superintendent there. Some of you guys might know him. Uh, but anyway, he called me up and he said, hey, are you uh, interested in uh, being a lead pastor? And I said, well, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I mean, I was happy to just be staff. You know, I was happy to be a staff person. And if I would have been on staff with my lead pastor for my whole life, that would have been okay with me. And, and I'm being forthright, 100%, that that was fine with me. You know, I was very content where I was. And so I began to pray, and the Lord began to put on my heart something that I had never uh, really tried to process through. I never needed to process through it. And it was to actually leave the church and go and take this, uh, this lead pastor in Texas. Now, when, uh, when I put on my resume, uh, you won't find this on my resume because it only lasted two months. Yeah, two months. Somebody said, wait a minute, what? Yeah, a pastor doesn't go to a church for two months and then they leave. I mean, that's kind of weird. That's not normal. That's not typical. Let me tell you the story, how it happened, how it all unfolded. So we answered the call to go to Fort Worth, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, a place called Hearst. And uh, this was in, uh, in February and March of 2008. So Jennifer and I at that point didn't have kids, and we packed up the truck and we took off. It was about a 90% vote that we got to accept the call there. And uh, we packed up the U-Haul and flew out to, um, to Hearst. Jennifer was still working her job uh, with the company she had in Albuquerque. And so she would fly back. I would drive her to, to uh, is it Lovefield? Lovefield. Uh, on Monday, she'd fly back to New Mexico, work for a week. And then she'd fly back home on Friday afternoon. And so I'd have her for the weekends. And um, it was just very difficult. You know, it was just kind of, you want your wife there with you. She wasn't there with me, and it was just, you know, it was just kind of just doing it by, by the seat of your pants. Well, I had a lot of time, and so what I was doing is hitting the, the streets and starting to do canvassing on my own and just trying to, you know, grow the church and doing what I had ever seen done. I tried to mimic it, and the church began to see some good momentum. If you can imagine in the span of about two months, you could see progress, which was cool. We saw new people coming and all of that. So... It was one weekend where Jennifer was home, and she decided to take our Akita. You know what an Akita is? It's like a husky on steroids. It's kind of like that, if you can imagine a dog like that. She took him to the duck pond that was close to where we were living, and she was walking the dog. And I went in the shower, and I was going to go, you know, join her after I got out. So I'm there in the shower, and, um, you know, getting cleaned off, and I hear this voice. And let me say this to you. I had never heard this voice before. Uh, I haven't heard an audible voice like this since, but I heard that audible voice that day in the shower, and it terrified me. Not only the fact that there was a voice speaking to me, but what he was saying. And I recognized immediately that it was God that was talking to me, and he says, you're done here, it's time to go. And I'm telling you, I froze. I just stopped, and my heart started to beat out of my chest and I stood there, and I began to try to process everything that was happening in that moment, kind of almost like it was surreal. It wasn't even, you know, reality that I was dealing with this situation. And, um, and so he says, you're done here, and you're going to go back. And I thought, what? And I just stood there, and the water actually went cold. So what happened is I drained the hot water heater. We had a big old hot water heater. We didn't have other people using the hot water. And that water was gone. It went cold. And I just stood there, I don't know for how long, just frozen, 
fear, full of fear and anxiety and stress. And I remember I turned the shower off and I toweled off, I got dressed, and I went to go meet Jennifer at the duck pond. And when I walked up to her, she looked at me and she said, what's wrong with you? I must have seen a ghost or something. You know, she felt like I've been dealing with a Holy Ghost, right? I, I, that's what had been happening. And I, I told her, we got to go. And she says, go where? We're going back home. We got to pack the truck and we got to go back home. And she says, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? And I said, this is what happened. And I told her. And she just, her jaw hit the ground. She says, well, we need to pray about this. And I said, indeed. And so I began to fast, and that was the longest fast I'd ever been on. At the time, I fasted for 14 days straight, not taking any food at all, just only water. And I remember thinking, Lord, this, I don't understand this. I don't, I don't, how many of us have ever been in a situation where we don't understand what God is saying? Have you ever, have you ever been there where you just really cannot process at all what God is doing with you? Like, you, you just want to almost get angry with him? Has anybody ever been there? Well, I'm standing there, and I was angry. I was mad. I was like, wait a minute, God, I did what you wanted me to do. I left an amazing ministry over here where the, the pastor used me to manage both sites. I mean, I was kind of like his right arm, and I, I, we were doing great. We had a good house, and we had a good neighborhood, and, and what's the problem here? Why are you doing this with me? Jennifer would be gone in Albuquerque working. And I remember being alone. Struggling through things. And I remember trying to struggle with them without God. You know when we think we're just tough and strong and we think we can burden the dang thing by ourselves? And God would come alongside in the living room of that place. And I remember one particular time it was dark and I even turned the lights on. And um, and him coming alongside and saying, I got you. I got you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. But you need to trust me. And then another day. And you wake up the next day, and of course, there's the devil waiting to try to bring doubt and fear and anxiety. Anybody relate? You think, man, I got this. I got the tiger by the tail. I got it. I'm good now. We had this time with God, and I'm ready to go, and I have some things that I learned, and now tomorrow I'm just going to be able to get up, and we're going to go. And then the next day happens, and you're just meeting the same accusations of the devil. Can anybody relate in their faith at all? You know what it required is more God. God's like, hey, okay, let's spend some more time to get together today. Right around that time, they were having district assembly for West Texas, and I remember that I had to go to Lubbock, and, and uh, so we went to the district assembly, and um, the DS, such a kind man, a good man, and he said, uh, Pastor Steve, I want you to open up the district assembly uh, our, one of our new pastors, one of our bright stars. And we want, I want you to open up the district assembly in prayer. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I know where God's telling me to go. I know what he's telling me to do, and I don't want to do this. And he did, he asked me to do that, and so I prayed, and I remember thinking, how am I going to break the news to my DS? 
He's trusted me and brags on me and just a good guy. And I remember just struggling through that. And Jennifer, of course, being in New Mexico, I had to burn it alone. You know, she's, bur- she's helped me burn it from there. But I was by myself. You know, just me and God. And uh, so I remember walking up to him and telling him what God had told me in the shower. And his jaw hit the ground. He looked at me and said, well, we're going to have to talk about this when you get back to Fort Worth. We can't, what are you talking about? What are you even talking about? District assembly had ended, and I went back to Fort Worth, and I remember talking to the DS and a group of other pastors that he had invited to come in on the meeting. But I knew that I knew that I knew because God had spoken to me. How many of you guys can relate at all when God has spoken something to you and you know it? There's just there's no, no explaining it away or trying to be convinced of something because God is the one who spoke it. That's exactly where I was. That's where I was living. And it was all in chartered territory for me. So I remember at the end of all of that meeting, I just left there and realized that we were going to have to do that and started packing the truck up. And I remember driving back, and the Lord had been very clear to me in the fasting time that when I got back to New Mexico, that I wasn't going to speak about why we were coming back, except that God had told me to come back. But I wasn't allowed to even talk about that, you know, misconceptions that people had why I was coming back so soon. Because people would walk up to me. I remember coming back to Sandy, and they'd say, it must have been hard on you over there in, in uh, Fort Worth. It must have been tough on you for you to come back in two months. And I wasn't allowed, I wasn't even allowed to defend that, to say, no, that's not why I came back. We were doing great. We started to build a church. It started to grow. And God told me to come back even in spite of all of that. I wasn't allowed to say anything. I was allowed to smile and to say thank you, and that was it. It sounds weird. I know to some of you guys, you might think, this is strange, but it, this, God still speaks. If there's anybody in this room that you're a believer today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know because God has spoken to you in similar ways. And I remember going back and not understanding anything. And to be honest with you, I remember driving the U-Haul. I remember driving, and I had the the car we were towing. and, And I remember spending that many 12, 13, 15 hours, whatever it was, driving back to Albuquerque angry. I was upset. There were so many elements of all of that that I just did not perceive. And so we drive back and, and we begin ministry. And I remember the guys that I had discipled, one guy had discipled, one to Christ and discipled, and another guy that I had had a, a part in discipling him. These two guys had been given the job that I had done in both of the sites. So I had, I had been an influence in, their, in both of their lives. And when I came back, you know, the pastor hadn't anticipated I was going to be back in two months. Good night. Those jobs have been given away. There wasn't a place for me. And I remember coming back with my tail between my legs. And f- Why? I didn't understand why. I didn't do anything wrong. Have you ever been in a place where when you're going through something and you think, did I do something wrong? Is the reason why I'm going through something because I did something wrong? Has anybody ever questioned themselves that way? You've been there and you think, man, there, I must have done something. But then you do this inventory and you realize, I didn't do anything, Lord. I've been asking you, and I've been asking to, to, to divulge maybe something i got to fix. And there wasn't anything there. And that's what had me angry, to be honest with you. But one, one thing about God is that he has a perspective we do not. I, I, you know, when you're going through something, you don't want to hear that. But it's just the fact. It's just, that's just the truth. There might be people even in here right now this morning, you're going through something, and you're thinking, man, what in the world? God sees, God knows. And he knew there. 
People would walk up and they'd say things like that. And I remember the lead pastor coming to me and said, Steve, I don't have a salary for you. I'll bring you on staff. But I don't, I don't. And so he had to create a position. It was almost like a token position. And you talk about feeling like your pride was about that big. I remember going to find jobs. Now, I have, I have, I have, I have college degrees. You think I could go find a job? Well, to, remember what has happened in 2008? I go looking for jobs everywhere, and I cannot find a job. And there was a guy that used to come to play basketball on Tuesday nights. His name was Chris. And Chris was the manager at Alltel. Do you guys remember Alltel? Did they have Alltel out here? Alltel. He was the manager of the Alltel, and I remember going in there, and I said, Chris, I need a job. And he goes, you need a job? I thought you were pastoring over at that church. I said, well, I, it's a long story. And he goes, I don't have anything. I said, I'm desperate, Chris. He goes, well, we could, I mean, it's way under your, you know, your qualifications, but you could be our greeter. I'll take it. I remember wearing my blue shirt, you know, and my black pants and shine my, my shoes up. And I remember for, even from my days in the military, I wear shirt garters. You remember those, Bob? The shirt guard, hold your shirt down, you know. I, I wanted to present myself in a way that would, you know, not dishonor me or all tell. I wanted to, you know, put my best foot forward. And I remember, you know, thanks for coming to all tell. Are you here to pay your bill or would you like to speak to a representative? Okay, well, then go ahead and sign over here or just go ahead and wait for the next available uh, representative and they'll be with you right away. That's what I was doing. And I remember standing there for eight hours, nine hours at a time and thinking, this is so, what are, what are you doing with me, God? What, 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 am, what is this? I remember going to church and almost feeling like, you know, what am I doing here? I, I felt like I was so out of place. And I, I began, here's, listen, let's, 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 let's grab a hold of this. I began to wonder if I had misheard God. The devil began to kind of just whisper in my ear thinking, hey, you know what, Steve? What in the world are you ever going to pastor? You're not even going to be able to pastor an outhouse after what you pulled. There won't be a DS in the entire denomination that would want to touch you with a 10-foot pole for leaving after two months, dude. And now look at you, you loser. You're a, you're a, a receptionist at an all-tell. What good are your degrees? What good's your experience? And I began to get beaten down. Is anybody at all relate on any level? And I began to think, you know, I wonder why so many times people in the Bible say, don't forsake me, don't leave me. David, throughout the Psalms, that's all he says, don't leave me, don't forsake me. You ever wonder why he says that? Because he felt left and forsaken. That's why. And I remember just, man... And I was feeling sorry for myself, and I got into depression. I didn't even know what depression was before. And then I remember I used to look down on people that had depression. I thought, you're weak. I used to think like that. Do you remember that? I used to have that kind of an opinion about people like that. And now I'm thrust in this situation, and I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what I'm dealing with. I don't know why I feel the way I feel. And I remember... One day God said to me like this, man, it was almost as clear as the shower. It was not an audible voice, but boy, it could have been. And he says, are you going to keep feeling sorry for yourself, Steve? Are you going to trust me?
I told him I trust him the rest of my days, no matter what, that I would trust him. That morning, there was a different kind of attitude that I came into Altel with, and I thought, you know what? This is going to be my church. These people that walk in here, these coworkers, these managers, these, these are the people that I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna invest in, and I'm not going to feel sorry for myself anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win people to Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. God called me to do that. People come in, and this lady walks in, and it was almost like a spotlight on her. And she looked, excuse the, excuse the imagery, she looked like hell. I saw it on her. And I said, do you need prayer? I didn't say welcome to Altel. I didn't say you're here to see a representative or get to the kiosk. I said, do you need prayer? And she broke. I mean, we're there, and there's other people waiting. There's coworkers there. Chris, my manager's there. And, and I said, let's go over here. And I took her off to the side, and we went into the corner. And she began to talk about what was going on with her. And I can tell you this, that of all the things that I'd ever done as a minister to help people, to counsel with people, to invest in people, that this particular holy meeting that I'm having in the corner of an Altel store with this young lady, that it was the most impactful ministry opportunity that I have ever had in all my years as a pastor because it was a defining moment for me. God had drawn a line in the sand and he said, we're going to find out if you really trust me, if you're really going to focus on me and not the circumstances of the situation. And how many times had I ever taught that? How many times had I ever instructed people to do that? And now the shoe's on the other foot and now God's asking me to live what I preach. Let me say this to you, Christian, this morning. We're good about telling people what they're supposed to do. But what do we do about doing what we know? And there I am, and we pray, and we prayed the sinner's prayer, and she gave her life to Jesus in the corner of an altel store. <clears throat> and God shined his favor on my life. And it didn't matter I was working in Altel. Or it didn't matter that I was. Working at a church with a, a token ministry, it didn't matter that, it, none of that stuff mattered because God knew. God was watching my life. In fact, he was behind all of it. He was the one that initiated all of it. And so, one day the pastor come to me and he says, hey, Pastor Steve, Dr. Huff wants you to go and preach uh, pulpit supply down in Roswell. Albuquerque's up here, Roswell's down here. It's about three hours. Anybody know where Roswell is? Anybody ever been to Roswell? If you blink, you might miss it. And by the way, I tell people this all the time about Roswell. If you get to Roswell, you meant to get to Roswell. There is nothing around it for three hours in any direction. Lubbock's three, three and a half. Uh, uh, El Paso's about three and a half. And Albuquerque's three hours. So if you're in Roswell, you meant to get there. I said, I'll go with them, sure. At the time, the church was either the third or the fourth largest church in the state on the district. And uh, so I thought on a Sunday night, I could use the money, man. Altel doesn't pay great, so I could use the money for pulpit supply. So I drove in the, the car with Dr. Huff, and we go all the way down there. His wife, Dinah, was in the back seat, and we just had a good old time of fellowship. We drove all the way down three hours talking about everything. We talked about, I mean, to this day, to this day, he's still kids with me. He's not a DS anymore. He's in Georgia. 
But I remember at the time, my father-in-law was uh, bodybuilding, and uh, he was in the 60s or 70s already still bodybuilding. I mean, it was pretty crazy. He was in great shape. And, uh, and he said, so have you ever gone to any of the contests? And I said, no, the last thing I want in my mind, etched it forever, is uh, an image of my father-in-law in the Speedos. So no, I have not gone to the, and he, he, he still laughs about that even to this day. We laugh together, and it's a good memory. And so Pastor Lighty, Jen's dad, forgive me, we're on Facebook talking about this. Anyway, so we, uh, we drove all the way down there, and uh, so I, I preached. And I, I just, you know, I'm just me. You guys have been with me for a year and a half, and you, I'm just me. I just, there you go. There it is. Sometimes maybe some of you have been like, or I can't believe you just said that, or oh my goodness, you know. I'm, I'm, I can't be anybody else. I'm me. So I, I preached, and uh, let, I, I guess if I was going to say it in any way, I just brought it. After I was done, this one special needs individual could walk up to me. His name was Ronnie. I loved Ronnie. His mother was Evelyn, and she was a sweet lady too. And, uh, but Ronnie come up to me. I didn't know these people from anybody. And he come up to me, and he says, I just want you to know, Pastor, you're going to be our pastor. And I looked at him, I said, right. I laughed. I, you know, like when, uh, when Sarah... When Sarah, when they told Sarah that she was going to be pregnant, and Sarai, she laughed. She's like, <laughs> remember that? That's what I felt like. I'm like, Ronnie, you have no clue, man. No idea. So Pastor Huff said, hey, man, Steve, can you wait with Dinah out here in the foyer? I, got, I, I gave them three uh, candidates um, to choose from, and uh, I got to find out which one they want me to call. Uh, as a district superintendent, he's the one that kind of, you know, is the liaison between the, the church and the prospective pastor. So I gave him three letters, and so just we'll be my 10 minutes, and then we'll, we'll be on our way. And I'm like, I got to work tomorrow, so like, let's, let's do this. So he, says, he goes back in his meeting, and Dinah and I are sitting in there in the foyer, and uh, Pastor Huff comes out about 20 minutes later, and he says, Pastor Steve, something strange happened in that meeting this evening I didn't anticipate. They want to know if you would sit in in the meeting. And I was like, why? They want to know if you'd be interested in praying about being their pastor. I said, what? Didn't you tell them? Didn't you tell them I've, I've been with, like a... Didn't you tell them? He said, of course I told them. How could I not tell them? That's the first thing I got to tell them. You were there for two months and you left for no good reason except that God told you, which is the best reason. So I went in there and these people are just like, I mean, wonderful and kind and, and, and oh, by the way, forgiving like what Christians are supposed to be. Uh, they just looked at me and I, and, and I could sense their love for me. And, uh, and so I'm just kind of just blown away. And I remember driving home. Thinking that, well, this, this, this isn't going to be God's will for my life. I'm supposed to be in Albuquerque, and we've been there, done that. Tried to lead pastor stuff. It didn't work, uh, you know. So I had all this doubt, and uh, so I went back and began to pray. And um, I remember I went to Pastor Bain, and I said, I don't think I'm supposed to go, you know. 
I don't think I'm supposed to take this. I don't think I'm supposed to take it. And he says, uh, you don't see it, do you? And I said, I don't understand. He said, I see it. You know why you went to Texas, Steve? You know why you went to Hearst? Uh, I said, enlighten me, because I'd like to know. <laughs> he said, because you need to learn humility. And you couldn't have learned it had you not gone through what you've gone through. And God could not have given you a Roswell. You couldn't be trusted with it until God could break you. And he's right, I couldn't see it until he said it. And I remember having these times with the Lord, just asking for forgiveness for me being just faithless and being weak and not believing. And when the vote happened, I want to recall, I think it was 93, 94% vote. God had shown himself. God had made himself, manifested himself in a way that I never knew him. Did you know that God wants to do that with you? You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to take churches. Every human being in this room God wants to manifest himself in your life. He wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to bring you to a point where you can break and he can do what he needs to do in your life. I would love to tell you that during the time that I was going through all of that, that it was fun, that I loved it, that it was great. I wish I could tell you that. But it's not fun. What we have to go on is that God knows. What we have to go on is not only does God know, but God loves you. I, I hope that you'll let that sink in. God loves you. Now, everybody in this church would say, we know that. Everybody on Facebook would say, we know that. We've heard that. But it's an entirely different thing to feel his love. It's an entirely different thing that God would come alongside you and minister to you when you need it most. When you're at your lowest, when you're at the biggest point of a, of a desperate time and God comes and he says, I love you. And he does. God even just doesn't only love you. He is love for you and in you and through you. And what God began to do with my life is just completely flip it. I mean, just, we, we, we go to Roswell, we, the moving truck on the way to Roswell. And you pull up to that facility and it looks, I mean, it's not an outhouse. 
I'm thinking, Lord, the way you reward is just, it's unreal. And I had to praise him. And I had to praise him. And let me just say that that's a story in my story. The manual of the Church of the Nazarene is such that at two years after the pastor has been called and is installed, there's a two-year review. And what happens typically at that two-year review is that the board and the district superintendent, together with the pastor, decide if we're going to move forward together. And then the next review would be four years. And after that, it's every four years. About a year ago, I started to sense this peculiar thing that I have felt before, and I began to pray, and I began to fast, and I, um, I had this sinking feeling in my gut, and I, I wanted to just make sure that God was doing whatever he was doing, that I wasn't missing it, and so I began to pray and, and really seek the Lord's face, and as I did, I, I knew God was going to get ready to move us. This morning, regretfully, I bring to you a resignation that uh, I'm not going to go past my two-year review. And uh, it's not something that a pastor ever does. Let me just say this to you. I told this to the district superintendent. And by the way, our district superintendent here in South Texas is outstanding. He's a man of God. He's just, uh, he's just the best. I remember talking to him about everything that was going on, and he said to me, he said, or rather I told him, that no pastor ever plans to be in a place for two years. Nobody. There's not a pastor who says, hey, let's move to Texas for two years. Let's move our family across the country and stay there for two years. Nobody. Not this one either. And um, so when I began to pray and fast, I mean, I've, I've lost probably about 30 pounds. And not because I've wanted to. Not because I'm trying to lose weight and I want to look good in clothes or whatever. I've... I've lost weight because I fasted so much and I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was God's will and uh, it's been hard the process has been very difficult because I, I know it doesn't affect even just me and my family it affects you guys it affects these people that uprooted their lives and came from Oregon moved their families across the country and now they're living here it, it impacts all the Texans because I know that you guys love the Lord, and you love your church. Most of you love us. Just kidding. About two weeks ago, I was in the emergency room. I thought I was having a heart attack. My chest started to get tight, and I couldn't hardly breathe, and I, and I started to get even lightheaded, and I thought, I'm, I'm having a heart attack. And I, I remember I went to the emergency room at the VA there in Temple, and I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought I was dying. And so they took two EKGs. I said, your heart's fine. They checked the blood pressure. Your blood pressure's fine. And the guy looks at me and says, do you have any stress? I had stress. I got a little sample. 
of what Jesus was going through when he had to leave his disciples, you know. Because you care about people. You love people. I love you guys. This lady in the VA gave me a card. She says, you need this card. I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I didn't tell her I was a Christian. She says, you need this card. And she gives me this card. And the card said this, John chapter 14, verse 27. Anybody know it from memory? What is John 14, 27? What is it? He says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give you. Do not be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And when he said, when I read that, he, he said that to me, just, just right there. And, and what God did with me at that moment is to say, those people, those Oregonians, those Texans, those people, they're not yours. They're mine. They don't belong to you. They belong to me. They were just fine a year and a half ago before they ever knew you. And they're going to be just fine whenever you're at the next place. And I thought, but I don't like it. Well, it's fine that you don't like it, but you got to do what I'm telling you to do. And I thought, man, Lord, I don't, I don't want to even, I don't even want to burden this. And he said, well, it's not yours to burden. It never was. It's mine. So let me carry it. And that's what I've been struggling with. And I didn't even know how I was going to even present this morning. But I can tell you this. There are people in this room that you're at a, your own crossroads. You're at your own place where you're struggling and you're having a difficult time trying to figure out what way to go, what direction to go. And you think you got to carry the thing, and God has never called you to carry the thing. He, that's not your job. Your job is to listen to the Lord and walk with Him, regardless of where that is, regardless of what that looks like. You know, one thing that I've realized about my kids, and I hate it, and it hurts my heart every time I think about it. parents, especially grandparents, especially great-grandparents, maybe even for Miss Betsy, great-great-grandparent uh, kids, sorry, Right? My kids are getting old, and, and they're getting older, and I'm realizing that we are building toward this time when they're going to leave, and I don't like it, not one bit, but what I realize is those kids are loaned to me. You know, honestly, my wife is loaned to me. The same way that you've been loaned to me. And I've been loaned to you. What we understand about the kingdom is that we all belong to God. So, how many of you guys have been doing kingdom business at least 10 years? This one you can raise your hand, it's okay, you're not bragging. How many of you guys have been doing kingdom business the last 20 years, the last 30 years, the last 40 years, the last 50 years? Okay, all right, we just keep going, right? You know what we know about kingdom business? Is that we got to keep spreading the kingdom. We got to keep advancing it. That's what we got to do. Let me tell you where, this, where the church is. Let me just tell you where we are presently. You guys have run. I mean, it didn't even require... And I marvel that the, the way that it was led, the uh, upward ministry last fall, I watched it from a distance. And I thought, these people don't need anybody to run that thing. They just do it. 
the drive-through nativity, I thought, what in the world? And it was set up, and those people knew what it was, and it was a whale oil machine, and it blessed a lot of people, and I thought, what in the world? I mean, we were over here on the end kind of as an afterthought, my wife and I, and we thought, man, these people, they know what they're doing. They do it well. Let me say this. In the, advents, uh, in the absence of a pastor between me and Pastor Roger, you guys just kept doing ministry. That's what you did. God has used me for what reason? I really don't know. Once we have the benefit of hindsight, we'll be able to say this is why Pastor Steve came. We'll be able to understand even in the days that, that, that follow as we kind of think about what this year and a half has been together, it's almost going to be two years by the time that we go. But this time that we've been together, what, what was that about? What was it for? What I would invite any single one of you to do is to take out a notebook and think about during the time that we've been here, the time that we've been able to preach the gospel and to teach Bible studies and maybe have discipleship for those of you people that, uh, that took part, took a... a, a, a an active participation in that, that you'd be able to say, this is why that we were able to be loaned to each other during this year and a half. I've already begun to do that. And I've already begun to think about what, what it is that God has allowed for us during this time. And I've learned a lot. Man, I've learned a lot. If any of you learned from me, I've learned more. If any of you guys have benefited, I've benefited more. I leave here as a better believer because I've been here. I leave here as a better pastor because I've been here. I have learned things about me and my ministry, my philosophy of ministry, that I otherwise would not be able to know. And so I have a debt of gratitude to you all because you've allowed for us to be here. Of course, it's God, but you guys have allowed for us to be a part of this fellowship. I don't know what the future holds. I could tell you that we're, we're going to be used in a place where it feels like we're going to be missionaries. And to be honest with you, I'm terrified. We're going to a place where people don't say have a blessed day. We're going to a place where people, and probably most of them have never even heard the gospel. We're going to a place where all of the stuff that we preach against on a Sunday morning, that's where it's produced. And that's where God is calling us. The image that God has given to us is that the 9-11 Twin Towers, when everybody's coming out and you see the plumes of smoke and the fire and all that stuff, and you see all the danger and everything, and you see all these people pouring out, panicked and afraid and, and crying, and, and they're leaving and then you see the image of the firefighters, the first responders, and what are they doing? They're going into the buildings. And what they understand is if they're going in there, they're probably going in there for the last time. That's how we feel. Everybody is leaving California, and God is calling us to go into it and make a difference. It's a multi-site church that we're going to pastor. We need your prayers. There's more than one church. What it looks like is not even just two churches, but then it's even multicultural and multi-language and multi-congregational. Within the, con within the churches, there's multi-congregations in them. I've never done anything like that, ever. And it requires that God's going to have to show up again. We're terrified about it, but we know that God is calling us there. 
We never envisioned living there. We don't even know how we're going to afford to live there. But God provides. Pray for our kids. We'll be here till October. This is not we're leaving today. So we'll be together. And I say that between now and then, I need your help. I need your help. I can't burn this by myself. I don't want to be at the, the, the ER again. I need your help. You're a kingdom person, and I'm a kingdom person. I love you, and I know you love me. We, we serve the same God. And I need your help. There's going to need to be people who will step up to help out in key areas. I've asked some people over time to pray about being the children's director uh, for children's ministries. And those people, to their credit, have gone and prayed and maybe fasted and came back and said, Pastor, I'm not the person. And, and I've been kind of like, okay, well, who do I ask, you know? And people see me walking to them. They might walk in a different direction. He's going to ask me to pray about it. <laughs> we need your help. We need you to pray earnestly. We need you to say, you know what, I'll help. I'll work. Plug me in. We need your help. We need your help because we're going to have probably some holes to fill. We don't know how people are going to be called. You know, we don't know where they're going to be, where they're going to land. We don't know. But as, as, as those kinds of things happen and the dust settles, we need people, maybe from a working list, to say, you know what, I don't even know where I should be used, but I am willing to be used no matter where. That's what we need. We need that. We need the church to actually come together and be the church. Listen, don't, don't, don't ever assume that someone else is going to carry your, your, your part. It puts an undue stress and burden on other people when we don't step up and do our part. It's great that we come to church on Sunday. That's outstanding. But have you ever thought about how you could get plugged in, how you could be a part of what the church is about to be a difference in the community where we live? It starts with every individual here where we say, you know what, I'll help. I'll do something. I, you know what, let's just even do this. Watch, do this with me. Don't even ask, don't even say, hey, listen, I, I already do one thing, so I'm good. He's not talking to me. How many hats do you guys wear? And then, and then. Right? A lot of hats. It might require that you wear more than one hat. Miss Betsy's 102. She works. That's awesome. We need your help. So in the time between now and when we're going, we need people to step up. We need people to say, you know what, hey, I'll get put on a list and I want to help out. And God, you know, as much as uh, God knows what he's doing, God knows exactly the next person in line. 
You know, one, let me say this. Uh, there was a, a good brother, a friend, uh, that he's still a friend to this day. He told me a long time ago, he says, Pastor Steve, here's what I believe about your ministry. You can use this as a prophetic word or maybe not. He said, but I believe what God uses you to do is to pave the way for the next person who's going to come in and really make the big changes that you're going to, that, that they, that church is going to need to sustain. And here's why. Because you do a lot of the heavy lifting sometimes. How many of you guys have ever felt beat on? As much as you've ever felt beaten on, I get beaten on first. I'm a tender piece of meat by the time I give you the hard groceries. We have been beaten on. But let me say this. All of the beatings are to prepare us for the big growth. The big growth. And God wants to do big growth. That's a word that God has given me for here or today. I love you guys. Let me read something to you out of uh, Oswald Chambers. You know, Jennifer, here was the crazy part. What's today? The 11th. Who read Oswald this morning? August 11th. It says, this experience must come. This is 2 Kings chapter 2, 11 and 12. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha, so Elijah and Elisha, Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw him no more. This is on the very day. This is August 11th. It is not wrong for you to depend on your Elijah for as long as God gives him to you. But remember that the time will come when he must leave and will no longer be your guide and your leader because God does not intend him for him to stay. Even the thought of that causes you to say, I cannot continue without my Elijah. Yet God says, you must continue. So there's three here, three uh, little uh, sections here. And the first one is alone at your Jordan. The second one, alone at your Jericho. And the third one, alone at your Bethel. Let me read these to you. This is alone at your Jordan. The Jordan River represents the type of separation where you have no fellowship with anyone else and where no one else can take your responsibility from you. You now have to put to the test what you learned when you were with Elijah. You have been to the Jordan over and over again with Elijah, but now you are facing it alone. There is no use in saying that you cannot go. The experience is here, and you must go. If you truly want to know whether or not God is the God of your faith, I butchered that to death. Hooked on phonics does work, I promise. Let's do that again. <laughs> there is no use in saying that you cannot go. The experience is here, and you must go. If you truly want to know whether or not God is the God your faith believes him to be, then go through your Jordan alone. Here's Jericho. Alone at your Jericho. Jericho represents the place where you have, you, where you have seen your Elijah do great things. Yet when you come alone to your Jericho, you have a strong reluctance to take the initiative and trust in God, wanting instead for someone else to take it for you. But if you remain true 
to what you learned while with your Elijah, you will receive a sign, as Elisha did, that God is with you. Alone at your Bethel. At your Bethel, you will find yourself at your wit's end, but at the beginning of God's wisdom. Let me read that again. Get this. Look at this. At your Bethel, you will find yourself at your wit's end, but at the beginning of God's wisdom. I've been trying to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out, figure it out. I can't figure it out, can't figure it out. God's like, good. Now, you, now that you know that you don't know anything, now we're going to start showing you wisdom. When you come to your wit's end and feel inclined to panic, don't. Don't. You know what the doctor called that tightness in my chest, in my back? What was happening is it was a tightness in my chest. I felt like I was out of breath. I could even feel something in, like in here. Like, and I thought my heart was doing weird stuff. And you know what he said? He said, you're having a panic attack. I have never, ever, not even remotely close, had anything like that. Ever. <laughs> Stand true to God, and he will bring out his truth in the way that will make your life an expression of worship. Put into practice what you learned while with your Elijah. Use his mantle and pray. Make a determination to trust in God and do not even look for Elijah anymore. It doesn't matter if it's me or another pastor or Pastor Roger, the one before him. It doesn't matter if it's the person that disciples you. It doesn't matter if it's your husband or your wife. God's intention is never to cleave to that person and put all your trust and everything that you believe in that person but to put it in him. That's the purpose. Have you ever thought, why in the world am I going through anguish because I lost this person? Because this person left or this person's doing something else or I had to move and you're agonizing over, over those kinds of things. Understand that God's intention for you was not that it was a permanent situation. How many of you guys are aware that life changes? Remember your first job? Well, I, I want to hear some of your first jobs. Brother Bob, what was your first job? Picking apples? Picking pineapples. Do you still do that? It's been a coon's age. That's what they say in the country, right? See, sometimes I can fit in too. Miss Bonnie, what was your first job? Do you remember your first job? Texas Farm Bureau, are you still doing that? No. That's a long time ago. Do you remember the people that you worked with? You got a good memory. Some of them? Yeah, see, I don't remember any of them. I, I, I worked a dishwashing job. That was my first job. And I couldn't tell you anybody by name. I can kind of remember my mind's eye. But a lot has changed. You know, how many guys have looked at your bodies recently and realized... What is going on? 
TMI, bro, TMI. Let's move on to the next thing. Change. Change is part of life. Understand that everything that God allows in your life is a blessing to be enjoyed in that moment, lest we become a Facebook meme. But it is a fact. It's the truth. God allows certain seasons in your life for you to be able to experience Him in a new and different way for the purposes of growing from those situations so that you can go to the next. And that's exactly what God is doing with all of us. We have a quilt at the house. How many of you guys have a favorite quilt? Did you curl up with a football? Anybody have a favorite quilt? A favorite? Just a... Grandma Lighty makes the best quilts. And there's this one particular quilt. It's not even pretty. I think she was just working out of her scraps. She's trying to use up scraps, and she just put, there was no rhyme or reason to this quilt. Like, there's no pattern to this quilt. It's just like patches all over, and you're thinking, those aren't even the same colors. On the one side, you know, you have the, the, the patchwork, and the other side is like a brown velvet. You know the one I'm talking about? As the one Ezra tries to steal. That quilt, when it's cold, both days in, in, in winter here in Texas. <laughs> you try, you, try, it's, you know, it's like, man, I can't even picture a quilt now. Like, it's 104 today, something like that. <sighs> but you cover yourself up, man, and you just, oh, life is good. It's like your security blanket. You feel like Linus. These quilt, these patches on that quilt. And I thought about my life. I thought about my, my ministry. The people that have been in those ministries. Going from Moriarty Country Church. Sandia Church of the Nazarene. Yes, Hearst for two months. Roswell. Church plant. Malala, Oregon, and now Waco, Texas. And you have these patches, and those, those congregations couldn't be any more different. All of them are different. But I think about the good memories and the good relationships and the good people, the kingdom people. And I think about my life has been pretty good. If I, if I ended up having a heart attack and dying, I mean, I don't know. That's up to the Lord. I'll be able to say I had a good life. I had a good ministry. I served with some good people. And you guys are those people. And pray for us that we'll find more people like you guys. Can we pray this morning? Typically, I'm praying for you guys. Brother Clark, I don't even need you to play, brother. Let's do something different, because I'd like you to be a part of this prayer time, too. I value you. You're a blessing to my life, Clark. Now we're... I'm, I'm going to actually do something if you guys would oblige me, because I, I need to be lifted up. And anybody who would want to come and pray, you guys would join me at the altar, and we could pray together. We're going to pray for... God's will to be done in church, in this church, as well as the kingdom, the city of Waco. Just, let's just all get together and just pray. And um, 
If you feel led to pray something, pray out loud. And then the next person, if you feel led to pray, you pray something. And then I'll close with prayer if you guys would be all right with that. Can we do that? Let's get in here tight. Let's get in here. Hopefully you put your deodorant on. <laughs> Father God, we come before you today, and we know that Pastor Steve and Jennifer listen to you, and they trust in you, and they believe in you. And so, Father, we just pray that you would lift them up today. Give them the strength. Give them the ability to understand what's going on. For you know that there's times that we, we are kind of unknowing what we're supposed to do. But you have revealed this to them and that you have a way for him. And you have this all laid out for him. And we pray, Father, that you will reveal it in a great and mighty way. Mm, give them Jesus. strength. Give them the, the things that they need, the comfort. Put your arms around them. And, Father, help us as, as we uh, stand beside them and, and with them through this transition. And that mm. they will go and they will find that, that you've got a great ministry ahead of them and for them. We just uh, ask, Father, that you will bless them, use them in a great and mighty way. And we give you the praise and honor and glory for what their lives have meant and what they will mean to, to these people that they go to minister to. And we just uh, praise you today for all that's going to take place in the future. Amen. Lord, help him to know what an encouragement he is in all of our lives, Lord. And we pray for him as he goes forward into this new ministry, God, that he's going to touch more lives and his family's going to touch more lives through you, God, because he's obedient. And Father, I just thank you from the deepest bottom of my heart, Lord. Thank you so much for the time we've had in his ministry. And Lord, going forward, I just pray for those that he's going to affect. And Father, I pray for that congregation to prepare their hearts, Lord. I pray that they would just be so ready, God, and equip this family, lift them up, and encourage them, Father, in your name. Thank you, God, for Pat, God. Thank you for his wife. Thank you for his children, dear Father, God. Thank you for allowing me to be in their presence, dear Father, God. And I thank you for um, him teaching me, Pat, speaking to us, but actually teaching us, dear Father, God, obedience, dear Father, God. And to just give you all the praise and mm. the honor and the glory. Jesus. God. We pray, dear Father God, for that way to lead and lead them in your daughter and your son and have all mm -hmm. your purpose for Amen. them, dear Father God, and your children. And I thank you for all things, the good and the bad. I ask for blessings over uh, them and their families and all those that they come in uh, contact with on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, I just want to thank you today for your presence. Um, Lord, thank you for allowing uh, us as a family and a congregation to met Pastor Steve. Mm. Please just help help personally my family so much grow closer to you. And for that, I'm forever thankful. Mm. God, we just pray that you pour your blessings out on their family and, mm. and all that they do. And just continue to allow them to work in countless lives like we know that they have in ours. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. You know, I thought about that next line. Your family has a dream too. I sure hate to see the couple that I know you've got plans and goals for your church and all. Even whether you you've thought about it uh, recently, even now, but God, I am glad you I was going to expect a, a couple of years and I prayed to be with them and they were happy and loving you. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the body. We thank you, Lord, for every single person who composes that body, that, that living, breathing body, the body of Christ, that every single person is important, every single person is valued. And in this gathering, in this prayer time, Lord, every single individual is valuable to you. They're valuable to me and my wife and my kids. And we are so ultra grateful for allowing us to have crossed paths with people that our friendship will endure past time and distance. We're friends, period. We're family, period. Because we're kingdom people and we all belong to you. And so, God, I thank you that you're going to do immeasurably, abundantly, above anything that we could ever ask or imagine. That all of us, every single one, whether we're talking about people in Texas or people in California, those that were in Oregon, the people in New Mexico, Lord, those are just the places I've ministered. But your kingdom is not even just only all over the world, but it's eternal. And so we thank you, God, that we're a part of that number. 
We thank you, God, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're grateful, Lord God, that you know us by name. And so what we realize about this time of prayer together, Lord, is that during this time, during this season on earth where we live, that you have given us the privilege and the honor of introducing us to each other and that any kind of a, of a goodbye or a farewell is a see you later. And so I thank you, God, that this is not uh, some kind of fatalistic, sad thing, but it's really actually just, Lord, we're, we're getting ready to do a different part of your kingdom business. And so we thank you, God, for that. Help us, help those people that are struggling. I know that this is probably uh, just a blind side for some people, a gut punch on some levels. And people process in a lot of different ways, God, and I pray that in their processing, regardless, that you would help them, that you would minister to them, that you would put your salve on their hearts, Lord God, and bring good things to their minds and to their, to their emotions and help them, Lord God, to process through all of it. That they would know that, that it's not something that they burden, but uh, they burden it with you and that you're the one that has the biggest shoulders. And I thank you, Lord, that you've taught me that in recent days, even more so than I ever understood it cognitively. I've had to experience it practically. And so I thank you, God, for everything that you allow for our lives. And I thank you specifically for what you've allowed in my life. And I pray, God, that all of it would be used to bring you glory and honor, that you would be the one that would receive all the praise, Amen. for you're the one who's worthy. And that's why we pray all of these things in the best name that anybody's ever said. That's the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I love you. I love you, man. I don't want to run you over. I almost ran you over there. Brother, yeah, Brother Clark, why don't you guys get ready? I'm going to say a couple things, and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit, sing, sing a praise song. How many guys feel like singing a praise song? Amen. Amen. I do too. I do too. I do too. I need, I need to fill my soul with praise. Um, we will have a board meeting right after this uh, uh, time together, but the board meeting, board members, listen, the board meeting will actually be in my office. We'll just do it in my office, okay? So we'll meet there. So let's all go ahead and stand, and, uh, and we're going to praise the Lord. And even like the Bible says that even when we don't feel like praising, that we should praise. And that's what we should do today. Dig deep and draw from the Lord. And uh, the praise and worship team, you guys are going to do what you always do. So I'll just give you guys the stage. Let's worship the Lord this morning. Set me on fire. 
here I am, God, arms wide open, pouring out my life gracefully broken. Amen. 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 Before you leave, find someone you haven't said hi to and go and greet them. Have a great week this week, and uh, we'll see you all the next time. God willing, God bless you. You're dismissed.